0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio, and I'm excited for today's guest because I feel like her message is going to resonate with a lot of you guys who are wanting to chase balance, and her name is Addison Barnhart. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm excited to bring you on here. I know that you're an RD, you're passionate about health and fitness, and you've definitely been through a lot when it comes to your fitness journey.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely been through a lot. (laughs)
0: So why don't you take a moment, Addison, and kind of introduce yourself to our audience today?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So I'm Addison. I am a registered dietitian. Now I have been a dietitian for about a year. Um, I have my master's in nutrition and, you know, went to undergrad for nutrition as well. Um, And I have my own business and I coach women to, you know, let go of the restrictive lifestyle and really, like you had said, find balance. So I've been doing that since October of 2020. So it's been a couple of years now. And yeah, like you said, my mission is really just to help women find balance and gain confidence through food and exercise and allow it to align with their life instead of, you know, totally, controlling their entire life
0: yeah definitely and so what even got you into fitness I know you've got a little bit of an athletic background here and you've also been involved in competing so those Mm -hmm. are definitely big things when it comes to fitness you know we got a little bit of activity here and there and then we kind of have more of the extreme side of fitness so let's kind of go into what really got you into everything
1: Yeah so growing up I was a gymnast so I started gymnastics when I was eight and I ended up I say having to retire when I was a senior in high school so I was 18 so I did gymnastics for about 10 years and I ended up breaking my back in gymnastics I had to then retire And, you know, I took maybe like six months off of really doing anything, bending my back in any way, any kind of physical activity. Well, I guess not really any kind of physical activity. I was still active, but I just couldn't do anything that involved bending my back. And, you know, everything hurt. Sitting down, doing the smallest tasks, everything hurt. So after that time off, obviously it was my senior year of high school and there was no point. And me going back into gymnastics like I wasn't at the college level I was level nine but you know to be a collegiate athlete it takes a lot more than that so I'd say I was you know very extreme from the age of eight until the age of when did I stop bodybuilding 20 probably like 22 21 22 so I was very extreme like in the gym athletic for like hours a day. I mean, when you're a gymnast, it's going to school and then four to five hours after school, you have practice on the weekends at 6am to noon practices. It's just a lot. And then competing as well. So I feel like I was always in the gym, always, whether that was gymnastics and then kind of getting into bodybuilding. So after gymnastics, I had gotten into weightlifting. Um, I don't really know why I assume, like, I don't remember why I assume I probably got into weightlifting for, of course, aesthetic purposes. I don't think it was necessarily, you know, so much about keeping up with like, you know, being healthy and active and doing it for the right reasons. I'd say it was probably more so for the wrong reasons. So when I went to OSU, I had been lifting for around two years and then or no for like a summer and then two years into college so my sophomore junior year of college that's when I started getting into bodybuilding and then I competed from first show to last show I competed for a little under a year so I went pro in a little under a year I did eight shows and then there was a good two years in between where I was like fighting the desire to you know let go of the sport and I was really in this like you know I don't know what I'm doing with my life I don't know who I am without bodybuilding like I really I like losing my identity kind of place um so I did that for about 2 years and then finally I was just like okay I can't do this anymore I am letting go and that's when I you know really dove into the world of intuitive eating
0: yeah so there's definitely like a lot to unpack there and it sounds like you're someone and this is very common that identifies with labels it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just kind of like oh if someone becomes a mom that they're now a mom or if they become Mm -hmm. like having a certain career they become their career and so it almost sounds like you had this transfer of being a gymnast okay but now I'm a bodybuilder and then when you wanted to leave bodybuilding, it had, you had the questions of, well, now what am I, you know, there's no extreme, there's no competition, there's no end goal in mind. And so there can be a lot of confusion there on where do you even go from there? But I definitely wanted to talk about like, what challenges did you face in regards to food with bodybuilding? And I don't know if you had any food struggles like with gymnastics at all, either, if it was more stemmed through Competing because I know that that can be kind of a bad environment for a lot of people with developing bad relationships with food. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So, actually, my food struggles honestly started before gymnastics. So, I'll never say really, you know, bodybuilding was the reason I struggled with food. I think, I mean, I know it definitely made it 10 times worse when I thought, you know, maybe there was the potential to make it better. So I really struggled with food. I wouldn't say it was even caused from gymnastics. Um, I struggled before that for another reason that I've kind of pinpointed it to, but I think that gymnastics and bodybuilding or just being an athlete that young was or an athlete that was, you know, more for the aesthetic instead of the performance side of things. I mean, even with gymnastics, yeah, your performance, but your aesthetic matters as well. So I definitely feel like I had food issues before any of that um, due to traumas like earlier in life, but I don't think that they helped the food issues that I had. So um, gymnastics, yeah, food and body image, It definitely like, you know, worsened when I was doing gymnastics. And there were like specific things that I can remember of what happened. Like, you know, we would eat snacks and like, we would always be talking about food and gymnastics. Or one time my coach came up to me and like, tapped me on the stomach and was like, suck in, Like, don't let your stomach just hang out. And I remember that very vividly causing like body image issues and just always comparing myself to like the other girls and hoping that I looked better than them or that I was better than them at gymnastics. Um, and then of course, bodybuilding was just, I, it was like the cherry on top to everything. And I don't really think I recognized any of my food issues until bodybuilding. So it really brought them yeah it made them 10 times worse but it also brought them to life and I definitely think that you know without bodybuilding I probably would have been in a much maybe a much worse place because I never really would have like recognized how bad it actually was so I think bodybuilding bodybuilding really helped me or got me to rock bottom and got me to a point where I was like okay I know I need to change or You know, food is just gonna control my whole entire life for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah. I think everybody has like little sprinkles here and there of like struggling with their relationship with food, especially women. Like for me, I started comparing my weight at in first grade. Like I remember like asking my friends what they weigh, and if I weighed more than them, I was really upset about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like little crumbs here and there. And then there's usually this like tipping point where things get really loud and it's hard to ignore it and that timeline looks different for everyone and so it's important to recognize like some of those thought patterns are not normal and working through them early on and I think just spreading the awareness of like what you're doing now is important so someone doesn't reach that point of hitting a wall and hitting rock bottom because it's definitely an uncomfortable place to be.
1: Right yeah and I even remember you know in elementary school my friends and I, like you said, comparing our weight or someone would be like under 90 pounds or under a hundred pounds. And like, I don't even know why anyone that young is weighing themselves, but it's like, I knew what weight I was and like, she weighed less than me or whatever it may have been. And then, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's like, why is that even a thing? But I remember those moments as well.
0: Definitely. And I mean, you definitely got far in your bodybuilding career. You got what so many girls want in this industry, which is turning pro. How did you feel after turning pro? And what were your thoughts on what should I do next?
1: Oh my God. It was, I, I like say this openly now, but I had never, I didn't say this to anyone for years after I turned pro, but I, I knew the second I stepped off that stage, like I would never compete again and I knew I had a problem and I knew it was taking over my entire life and I knew I was done with it but again it's like that identity piece of you know I want to quit I want to stop I know this isn't good for me but I you know keep going and I have like I I feel like I have to do it at that point like you're doing it for other people you're doing it for social media you're 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 doing it for essentially all the wrong reasons or at least I was when I if I, if I would have kept going and yeah, I was still in that transition phase for like two years of kind of going back and forth. Like, do I want to continue or do I not? And really debating it, but I knew like deep down, there was no way I was stepping back on stage or doing another prep after I went pro. And I think I, I do wish that I would have, you know, gone with that you know, instinct and not, you know, waited so long, I guess, but at the same time, I think sometimes you just have to wait it out and you kind of get to your breaking point and everything works out, you know?
0: Yeah. It's hard to quit too, when you're doing good, or if you're so close to achieving something and maybe you have other people who are like, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then you put that Mm -hmm. pressure on yourself. It's kind of like an athlete that they feel like they're going to disappoint their parents or they disappoint their coach if they quit so they keep going even though the passion isn't there and if passion isn't there again it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when you're going to hit that breaking point
1: right yeah and I don't know I think it was also because again like bodybuilding was my entire life it was my job it was my Um, like it's why I went to school. It was my hobby. It was my whole friend group. It was everything that I had. And that's really hard to let go of. And I know after when I finally let go of it, I definitely, or I wouldn't even say when I finally let go, because I think when I finally let go of it, I felt a lot of relief and like a big weight off my shoulders. But when I was in the transition phase in that two-year period. I mean, I was so depressed and so lonely and not myself. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard, but sometimes you just got to let go of things that are no longer serving you.
0: Yeah. And so with becoming an RD, obviously, well, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe your focus was more so oriented to like dieting and competing. Would you say maybe that was like your vision and it transferred over into a different direction
1: yeah so I started my schooling so I switched I actually went to school originally for um to be a dentist and so I was in pre-dent at OSU and then you know I started bodybuilding met my coach who was also a dietitian and I was like this is what I want to do I want to be a dietitian I I remember saying, I just want to teach people to live their healthiest lives. Like that's all I want to do. And at that point I thought that living your healthiest life meant, you know, looking your best, being your smallest, doing, you know, revolving your life around food and exercise. That's what I thought a healthy lifestyle was. And I wanted to teach other people to do that. So I switched from pre-dent to dietetics and You know, my idea was to get my undergrad. I was not, I was, I hated school. I was not, I was a good student, but I was not somebody who ever wanted to get their master's or go through with further education after undergrad. You know, I felt like I needed to do school because that's what everyone does, which is fine. But my plan was, you know, go through undergrad and then take the RD exam, get into, you know, get into an internship without a master's program, take an RD exam. And go from there. But the way it works is you get matched to a specific program. And I applied to all of the programs that were, you know, close in Ohio. And I got the one program I applied to that had a master's. So I got matched to that program, ended up getting my master's because that's the program I got matched to and doing my internship through Kent State and taking the RD exam. And during that time of my master's, that's when I really was like, okay, I'm learning. That's after I went pro. I went pro the summer before I went and got my master's. But I was like, I'm learning that, you know, living a healthy lifestyle is not about restriction. It's not about the way you look, like none of this really matters. And I truly understood at that point that living a healthy lifestyle was more about balance and there's so much more to living a healthy lifestyle than just, you know, the way you look or the number on the scale. So I did my master's thesis on intuitive eating, which is actually the program that my girls go through now. Um, so with my master's thesis, I researched all of that health at every size intuitive eating pretty much everything there was to research and created a program out of it. And that's when I was like, you know what, this, this is what I'm going to do. So yeah, I basically went into dietetics to teach people how to diet, how to restrict, how to lose weight. And came out of it after my master's project, teaching them, you know, you don't have to do all this to live a healthy lifestyle.
0: What do you think is missing in the nutrition and fitness space right now?
1: Um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't really feel like I'm super into the nutrition and fitness space. I so I don't know. I feel like okay, when it comes to the industry itself, I really do a lot of like blocking things out. I don't, you know, see what other people are posting. I don't look at other things. I really just, you know, post the things that I believe and that I want to say and kind of go from there because I don't know. I just don't like seeing all of this stuff online and maybe that's what it is. I think that what's missing is uh, real information or like true information, because I think a lot of it is misinformation. And when I see that kind of stuff, it just makes me so mad because I know at one point in time, I was the girl who was reading these things that are just not right. And they're so restrictive and they're wrong. And so I think, the thing that's missing is probably somebody or something monitoring what is being posted and monitoring for like true information. Like it's really hard to get the right information online these days. And yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's.
0: I mean, I feel like what's right isn't attractive in a way because there's the also psychological component of people want fast change. It's just human nature, especially in the world that we live in now, everything is quick. And mm-hmm. so if you are telling someone the right way to go about things, and it's like such a slow process, or a slow transition, they're not really as interested in that. But I would also agree that it can be a dangerous space. I mean, even just the other day, I had clients um, telling me about this, like, um, program where it has them on eight, 800 to 1000 calories a day, and it's all about losing weight as fast as possible. And it's that vicious cycle of, and you know this, you lose the weight and you just gain it back. And it's just crazy how in 2022, things like that are still going on and people aren't informed that that's not normal. Right. So it's definitely tough. What would you say are some big struggles that your clients have when they're coming to you? And what would you say their desires are while working with you and like what they want to achieve?
1: Yeah. So the people that I work with, the girls that I work with are very much knowledgeable when it comes to nutrition and fitness. And I think that's a lot of the reason why I'm not in, I don't feel like I'm in the world of nutrition and fitness. I mean, yeah, I'm in the world of nutrition and fitness, but I feel like maybe more nutrition than Fitness. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm in the world of fitness. I'm like, I think that's a huge part of life, but anyway, I digress. But the people who I work with, they're so knowledgeable about nutrition and fitness. And the problem that they're having is they're too knowledgeable about it. They know so much about it that they overthink it. And nutrition is nutrition should be and fitness, both should be so simple that but the girls that I work with have it like in their minds that it's so complicated or it has to be so strict or it has to be, you know, spot on. Everybody I work with is very type A perfectionistic, like, you know, straight A student, that kind of like hard work ethic. That's the kind of person that I work with. And really they're struggling with not doing things in an all or nothing way or such an extreme way. And that's kind of where knowing too much about nutrition is coming into play. Like they're not, they know so much that they feel like if they go outside of, you know, doing everything perfectly, that everything's just going to collapse. And so I would say what they're looking for is honestly, I mean, this is such a overused overarching word, but they're looking for a balance. They want to live a healthy lifestyle but they also want to eat normally and not feel so anxious around food or stressed around food or even exercise. And they, we, I work to really get them to think about nutrition and fitness in a completely different way. So most of the work that we do is mental. It's all psychological. Now we talk about nutrition a little bit, but I would say we really don't again, because my girls know so much about nutrition that it's consuming them. So we get them to a point or I get them to a point where they are like, it's like kind of dumbing it down and they understand what they really need to to know. And they're working through these false myths or limiting beliefs that they have about food. Um, And then also getting their, a lot of my girls, most of my girls, the biggest struggle is body image. And that's just because, you know, the more you focus on your body or the way that you look, the worse your body image is going to be. So I would say that's probably the biggest problem for them is getting them to really accept their body the way it is and not feel like they're unworthy because their body is changing because the only constant about your body throughout life is that it's going to change. So Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I definitely
0: think that there's a huge mental aspect to, you know, coaching. Um, I was joking the other day with my husband that like, oh, I would love to go back to school, but I'm like you, like, I hate school. I hate it so much. It's just so expensive and so time consuming and I don't have the time for it. But I was telling him, I was like, I would love to go back to school and learn more just about like disordered eating and also just the mindset that's involved because there's so many people that I think are walking around with undiagnosed eating disorders and they're just so unaware of it.
1: I always say like every, I mean, there are people out there who don't have disordered eating, but that is rare. And most people in this world, in this society have some like level of disordered eating and body image issues and yeah, it's just so sad. And I'm with you with the school thing. I think that now I would go back to school for neuroscience. I think that it's so cool learning about the brain and I've definitely thought about it more than once. So it might be something I do in the future, but I, I don't know. I just think that when you, I kind of, when I started out at school, yeah, I loved nutrition, but I feel like, and I was passionate about it, but it came out of like an obsession and not a passion, you know, no. whereas You know, the way I think now and kind of thinking about going back at some point in my life, um, the brain, the brain really fascinates me. And I think that just comes again from working with all of my clients from more of a psychological standpoint than a nutrition standpoint.
0: Well, the big thing too, is like, if you're wanting to hire a coach, if you're wanting to make a change in terms of your health, it's not just about like following a plan and following instructions. It's about really changing those habits in your thought processes. It's a conscious effort. And um, I mean, even the other day, I was recording a reel on preparing like a bowl of yogurt and talking about the different voices in my head of like my old mindset with food versus a new mindset. And it's a constant battle between like telling yourself, fruit's not bad for me. Sugar's not bad for me. This is going to give me fuel. I don't need to fast. Like you're constantly going to have to be doing this mental work. I think a lot of people aren't prepared just how much their brain may be working against them and how they have to kind of rewire it so it can think in a direction that they want to go.
1: Right. right. Yeah.
0: So what would you say is something that you're currently excited about in your career and working with your clients?
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like, you know, I'm right now, I actually hired a business coach back in December and right now, just now, I feel like I'm getting to this place of, you know, just feeling good and feeling confident when it comes to more so just my business and marketing and those kinds of things. I feel like before I hired her, it was, I don't know, just a lot of lack of confidence, second guessing, that kind of thing. Um, So right now I am definitely just kind of, I wouldn't say I'm coasting. I'm more so enjoying where I'm at and, you know, enjoying this moment of accomplishing the goals that I had in the past without adding more on. So yeah, I think right now I'm more so just trying to enjoy where I'm at before I'm like, okay, what's the next goal? What's the next thing? You know what I'm saying? So Right now, I don't have, you know, any big plans when it comes to business. Again, just really focusing on, you know, my current clients. I'm busy with them and ironing things out when it comes to the business side. But I think in the future, and this is something I've been thinking about lately, I want to start doing like a very small, very, very small, like five people group coaching program. Um, And I think that's something that definitely excites me. It's not something I'm ready for yet, but here probably within the next year or so, I'm hoping to launch that.
0: Yeah, I think it's always good to like have some goals, but it's totally fine to coast a little bit. If you're always like doing something, then burnout can happen. And so you have to kind of learn how to coast. At least that's something I've learned like since I started my business.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: Going back to your story and where you first started, now that you've gained more wisdom and learned more about yourself, what would be some advice that you would give yourself? And it could be either like the gymnastics version of you or the bodybuilding version of you. What would have been some advice that you feel like that version of Addison could really use?
1: Oh Man. You know, I always tell my clients this. I, I, don't think you can regret anything that has happened in your past, because if it didn't happen, you wouldn't be where you are now. If I wouldn't have done bodybuilding, I, you know, wouldn't be helping women who either are chronic dieters or ex bodybuilders, you know, find this balance again. So, you know, if you would have asked me a couple years ago, I would have told you that my piece of advice to myself would be to never do bodybuilding. And I've learned that, you know, I'm not going to regret doing that, but I don't, I guess I don't know. I think lately I've been learning. And when I say lately, I mean like in the past year, I think my biggest piece of advice would be like, you know, one, don't tie your identity to anything. Like your identity should not be something that could be taken away from you. And that it's okay to change. And this kind of goes into the identity piece, because I think when you tie your identity to certain things, you resist change a lot more. But I think I would have told myself, like, you know, if you're thinking about changing, it's okay to change and whatever aspect it is. And it's okay to move on from things that don't serve you anymore. And I just think I stayed in that place of like contemplation for way too long. Um, But yeah, I'd say that's probably what I would tell myself.
0: Yeah, I feel similar. I mean, in my own journey, I struggled with like, I always say like almost every eating disorder under the sun and I laugh about it because that's the only way I can talk about it. Um, But I don't really regret it in a way because it's helped me get a better understanding of what other people are going through and become more empathetic. And so if anything, it's brought me more clarity. And I think it's important as well to give yourself some grace because instead of like looking back and being like, oh, you're so stupid. Why did you keep going? And like being hard Mm -hmm. on yourself, like give yourself some grace. Like you were learning, you didn't know what you know now and Mm -hmm. eventually everything makes sense in the future. So I really like that, that you don't regret anything because I do see that a lot. I see a lot of people who, aren't interested in competing anymore and they're like being so negative about the sport and like and so on but it's it's kind of like well that still served a purpose for you maybe it helped you with your career maybe it helped you learn more things about yourself like everything really does serve a purpose
1: yeah, yeah. And I don't regret it for myself but if I'm giving someone else advice like I will tell them absolutely do not do it you know whether they yeah. listen to me or not but I just think I also wish I would have, you know, had someone who had gone through it before and had experienced like what I experienced after, like you said, you feel like you experience every eating disorder under the sun. And I mean, same for me, I definitely, and I said this on a podcast yesterday, but I feel like bodybuilding is a glorified eating disorder. And I just think that you know, it's a, yeah, maybe it's not the cause of your eating disorder, but it's a socially acceptable eating disorder. And for me, when I was going through bodybuilding, I was of course dealing with orthorexia, but then also, you know, extreme restriction, which I would do a say as anorexia. And then when it came to bulimia, it's like, okay, trying to do five hours of cardio after eating a quote unquote free meal, like that's purging, you know, and doing all of these laxatives and taking all of these things, like that's a form of purging as well. Even though I never made myself throw up, I was purging in some way, shape or form. And then, I mean, binge eating disorders, what I definitely struggled the most with, I would say that's more so after competing. But yeah, if someone were to ask me like, oh, should I do it? And I have people all the time DMing me being like, you know, should I do bodybuilding? I'm like, no, like, don't do it. Don't put yourself through that. Um, of course, if they listen to me or not, it is what it is, but I will, I wish it came with a warning label, like, Hey, you're going to develop 5 million eating disorders. If you do this sport, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I definitely know there are some people who have a good relationship with food and they are close to me, but it, it is rare. And I think that there's a lot of work that you need to do beforehand. Um, I mean, even for me, I definitely struggled towards the beginning years of competing and finding balance. And I finally feel like I'm at a point where like, if I'm competing, I can be on, but when I'm not competing, I'm no longer feeling like I have to be way more flexible. You know, I genuinely feel more balanced, but it took me five years, (laughs) you know, it took a long time, a lot of awareness, a lot of falling on my face, to get back up. And also I'm comfortable now taking time off. I mean, I don't think I'll compete again for two, three years. And that's a huge component in terms of just hormonal health because if your hormones are all off. That's really bad.
1: Right. And yeah, like I don't think it happens to everyone, but especially if you're going into competing, you know, for the wrong reasons, like I went into competing already having a horrible relationship with food. Like I was tracking macros before I ever competed. And then, I think it also has a lot to do with, you know, genetics as well. I mean, my family definitely struggled in the mental health area as well as, you know, the eating disorder area, whether they like were diagnosed or not. And I think that genetics has a lot to do with it. So someone is definitely going to be genetically predisposed to developing an eating disorder. And again, like I said, um, Mm -hmm if you're going into it for the wrong reasons, like for me, I went into it because of body image reasons or thinking, Oh, I'll look better if I do this, you know? And I think a lot of people go into competing thinking, or even a diet thinking, you know, I'm going to look better if I do this and then all of my problems will be solved. And in reality, that's just going to make your body image 10 times worse. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think a lot of people don't talk about this in the industry because they don't have awareness of it or because it just feels more taboo?
1: You know, like I said, I feel like I'm pretty removed from the industry. Um, But when I was really in it, I I don't know. I, I don't know that. I mean, I think things are hard to say online, too. Like, I feel like, again, I recorded a podcast yesterday and I feel like I said more on there than I've ever said online and even here. And I think it's because, you know, people can really come at you when you're online. And I think when you, I don't know, speak your mind, it can be really hard, but yeah, I I don't know why people don't talk about it. And I guess that's kind of why I do talk about it because so many people don't, but yet so many people struggle with it. So maybe it's taboo, maybe they're not aware of it. I mean, I definitely was at a point in my life one time where I wasn't aware of it. So I'd say it's probably more that than it being taboo. But if it's taboo, it would be because I think people are afraid of, you know, being shit on or getting yelled at, or, you know, screamed at on social media by other people. But yeah, yeah,
0: there could definitely be different, like, I guess, clicks, you could say within the social media space. Mm-hmm. And so it can be kind of intimidating to piss people off. <laughs> but mm-hmm. hey, I don't think everybody's always going to agree with you. And and that's totally fine. Like for me, there's plenty of people who don't believe in what I believe. And they're ultra strict all the time. And they think you need to track on vacation and all this stuff. And it's just like, hey, we can agree to disagree. And that's totally fine. It's important to find, you know, what works for you. Do I feel like everybody's going to be on a diet and and tracking macros and being super strict for the rest of their life? No, I don't. I would hope not. And I think everybody needs to come to the conclusion that, in my finished journey, I should strive to find how food makes me feel, how workouts make me feel, and finding a more balanced approach that I can carry on for the rest of my life versus just making it about what plan am I going to be on? Right. Yeah. So Addison, why don't you tell our audience where they can find more about you and um, get into contact with you?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Addison Barnhart. I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. I'm, uh, you know, typically always on Instagram. That's like my main source. also on TikTok, same handle, but I don't get on that too. Sorry, my dog's um yeah instagram is mostly where i hang out you can feel free to dm me if you have questions or you know you want to talk more about my journey or your journey i'm you know my dms are always open so if you ever need anything i am there
0: all right and i'm going to include all addison's information down below the description thanks again thank you